0: passage tonight here, Revelation 21. Last week, we got down to verse 13. Oh boy, this is this is just a phenomenal chapter. I mean, they all are. This is a special chapter, though, because we learn so much about our future here, our eternal future of, you know, where we're going to dwell and how things are going to be and, you know, and how there's going to be a New heaven and new earth, all things will be made new. And we've talked a lot about that the last three or four studies, however it's been. And uh, we've looked at that phrase out of Peter where it talks about all these things now, they're preserved for fire. And you know what? Everything that we see and so forth, it's gonna gonna go through that fire. It's, It's tainted by sin. Even heaven itself will... Be made anew because it's been tainted by Satan who accuses us up there night and day. But praise God, Christ makes intercession for us night and day. And so everything will be made new. All these things here, we got to look at them like we're tent dwellers, we're sojourners, we're passing through. Be thankful for what you have, be a good steward of what you have, use it for God's glory, but don't worship it like an idol, don't cleave to it like a god. Because when that happens, it owns you. You don't own it. You're not steering it for God. You're worshiping something that's preserved for fire, that's meant to be used for God's glory. And I'll tell you, it's also a false security when we're clinging to this stuff. We want to cling to the Lord. And again, look to the Lord and seek first the kingdom of God. So we've talked a lot about that. And then again, at the end of that millennial reign of Christ that's going to come in after the great tribulation, there will literally be a new heaven and a new earth. It seems that it's similar to how we're going to receive new bodies at the, at the rapture. It's, 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 this old body will be transformed. So it's really not a new body in a sense, but it's a new body in a sense. And so it seems with heaven and earth, as you look at all the various passages It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, but it's almost going to be like the old heaven and a new earth transform to a new heaven and a new earth that's not tainted by sin, just like our glorified bodies will be, and they won't be subject, remember, to pain, to sorrow, to sickness. They'll be eternal with no sin nature, no effects of sin. It's going to be glorious, and in all of it, there's going to be a perfect fellowship with God and one another A perfect contentment and satisfaction before the Lord forever and ever. And look at all this is in part what Jesus came to to make the way for. And remember the Lord said there in John eighteen thirty-six, My kingdom is not of this world. And then he says, If my kingdom was of the world, my disciples would go out and you know it, paraphrasing it here, take over the world. But the Lord came to make that way for us to have a restored relationship with him. And his kingdom is an eternal one, not one that, you know what, if you live to be 100, you know, you're considered a ripe old man or whatever it is, but one that is eternal and praise God without the effects that comes on you if you do live to be 100. You know, like, then you're like, Jesus, come today, you know, all the more I, w- I want to get out of here. And I want to repeat this as well, and we've looked at this verse uh three or four times here in our study in Revelation, Paul was praying for those in Ephesus. And we know this is a Holy Spirit prayer for us. And in the midst of several things he's praying for, in Ephesians 1.18, he says, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And look, at he's praying that not it's not a prayer that we would get, you know, a, a, a revelation that there's so many of these quote unquote revelations where someone says they're caught up into heaven. And do some of these televangelists just get off into, it's just like blasphemy with the nonsense they come. I remember what, hearing one guy once like, this Southern guy. I, I got Jesse DePlantis, total false teacher, never listen to anything that liar says, false gospel, fleecing the flock it's all about money and he says he got caught up in heaven and in his mansion it had antique furniture because that's what he loves and goes on this rant and i'm like where are you getting this nonsense you want that rickety rackety old furniture up there i want i want what god has for us so look at him praying for that it's not that i get some supernatural revelation of my own god can surely give that it's going to line up with the word of god But here's the thing, that's a prayer that when we get into God's revealed word, when the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men passages like this first of all we would get in and have bible study and be familiar and then as we get into the word that illumination all the more of the spirit of god would be on there that would stir our hope and go yes there's struggles in this life there's difficulties in this life i desire to live godly in christ jesus so there's persecutions in this life but it's a short-lived life and i know the hope that's waiting for me and even through this jesus is with me And I have the ability to walk in the joy of the Lord, come what may. But again, the prayer is that we would just know what is waiting. And listen, it is right around the corner. It really is. It is so true. Our life here is a vapor. It is a shadow. And we have a phenomenal inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ that is eternal, that will be unscathed that again that mansion and we'll we'll get onto this a little bit more that mansion that jesus talks about is prepared for us it's never going to need remodeling it's not going to need the upkeep the lawn ain't going to get need to get mud it's just going to be perfection we'll see a little bit of that tonight streets of not just gold but pure gold and we're going to see even all of these uh, various stones precious stones and so forth in, in the foundation of this new Jerusalem, that's going to be—if you, if you think—if you when you think of heaven, if you just think of some white sheet and a cloud and a toga and a harp, dude, this is going to be bursting with colors, unlike anything we've ever experienced here. Perfectly put together. Again, think about the most perfect. You, you, we give you a blank piece of paper. There's no limit. And you can make with resources from here create the perfect setting. It is like total trash compared to what's waiting for us in glory. There's no comparison in it. It's going to be unscathed with sin. And again, Paul was praying they, they would have illumination. We need that illumination. Because we can even like, well, I know I've read that, but I think it's different when there's an illumination of like, I just don't know it in my head, it's deep in my heart, and it drives me to live for God, to thank the Lord, to have a bursting hope no matter what comes my way. And it, again, gives me a heart to want to share Jesus with other people, because just as we're praying for an illumination of that, I would hope as well we'd have illumination of that eternal flame and understand those outside of Christ will spend eternity there that would stir us up to share Jesus. So Lord, help us in that. So this is part of that illumination here. And again, remember what it says at the beginning of Revelation, blessed are those who read, uh, who, who read and hear and keep the words of this prophecy. And so I think reading is just reading it, but hearing it is having it illuminated to my heart so it gets down in me and then keeping it in part is keeping these promises keeping these promises in the midst of tribulations and ups and downs and look at the devil's going to come in and try to lean on you at times the flesh there's going to be certain seasons where even wars against your spirit even all the more so that we would again have his promises be. For us to just a bursting forth of hope and just saying you know it feels like all the walls are coming in but here's the thing i keep the promises of god right in the center of my heart my eyes right on jesus last week we saw and again i I, if i start recapping too much i'll end up preaching those other sermons again but we saw overcomers will inherit all things are you an overcomer tonight can you say amen to that Look at, who are the overcomers? as those born of God. As those born again. The only way to overcome sin, death, Satan, hell, this fallen world is faith through Jesus Christ who went to the cross, paid the penalty of our sin that separates us from God, that subjects us to the second death in hell if we die in our sins. Jesus paid the penalty of our sins he rose from the grave after he laid his life down, and in that he defeated sin, that when we call upon him to be the Lord of our life and sincerity and truth, absolutely, we become overcomers through Jesus Christ who has overcome through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna inherit all these things. Again, we're gonna inherit this new Jerusalem we're looking at here, this new heaven, this new earth. Again, Hebrews 11:10. We know it's a city uh, which has foundations whose builder and maker is God Himself. That's the best contractor you could ever get. You know, all that engineering is going to be perfect, perfect architecture. I mean, it, it ain't going to be like some, you know, at home that got slapped up, and then you're like, well, you know, we got a money pit here. It's going to be actually be made with things that. Our money is our paper money is supposed to represent, and it really doesn't, and we won't get into that. But legit. It's gonna be glorious. And Jesus even gave us the promise in John 14:1, well, Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And we get great insight into that that place, insight where in Christ we will live forever, where we're gonna see the glory of the Lord that illuminates this new heaven and new earth and that nothing will ever enter in it that will defile it. So let's read 14 to 27. I'm gonna do my best with all these precious stones with pronunciations. We'll see how I do here. Hopefully there's no English teacher that will, oh, I can't take it and, you know, spill it out you know so it says now the wall of the city had 12 foundations actually let's go 13 because uh actually verse 12 it says and she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the name written on them which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of israel three gates on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south three gates on the west. Because he's talking about gates and foundation here. We looked at it in detail tonight. I'm not going to touch, or last week, I'm not going to touch on it tonight, but in painting this picture of this. Verse 14, Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth, And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length, the breadth, and the height are equal. He measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. The construction of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second was sapphire. The third was chalcedony. I think I might've done better in that in my practice. The fourth was emerald. I know that one. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The 10th, chisoprase, chisoprase. The 11th, jacinth, And the 12th, amethyst. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Is where we get a lot of jokes, right? So-and-so went to the pearly gates. (laughs) Like, where's that biblical? Well, the pearly gates, yeah, there, there was pearls up there. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass, verse 22. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun nor of the moon to shine in it, For the glory of God illuminated the lamb is its light and the names of those who are saved shall walk in its light and excuse me and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gate shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only these, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So notice here, verse 14. Again, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. On them are inscribed on these 12 foundations are the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And I believe this would be the 11 disciples' You know, we know there's 12, so minus Judas, he's the son of perdition, he ain't gonna be here. Jesus said it'd be better if that man wasn't born. How tragic. So I think most would agree, it's those 11 uh, disciples and the Apostle Paul. We know they drew straws after Judas hung himself, and I think it was Matthias that they, uh, Matthias, I believe his name's pronounced, that they picked. But you see clearly the Apostle Paul. I mean, you write, you, you get chosen by God to write two-thirds of the New Testament i think you're the 12th apostle uh and again notice they're not apostles of themselves it doesn't say they're apostles of some denomination or the name of some you know what church uh you know not the apostles of refuge church or you know the, the the baptist or you know at the presbyterian or anything like that but notice they're apostles of the lamb and really we think about who we are what am i And a lot of times we'll put different titles on us and so forth, but here's the thing. I'm a born-again Christian of the Lamb of God, period. That's that's what any who in Christ are. It's not your denominational title. It's do you have faith in Jesus Christ and him alone? That's huge in it as your Lord and Savior because we know we're saved by grace alone through faith alone and not of works lest any man should boast. It's all through what Jesus is has done and so these are apostles of the lamb referencing jesus christ the lamb of god who took away the sins of the world now to set this up i want to look at a verse in isaiah 49 16 and it's interesting this is speaking about the people of god this is speaking about those with faith in the lord even old testament believers who were saved by grace through faith they weren't saved by their actions in the Old Testament. It was in faith of the Savior who would come and atone for their sins. They know that their sacrifices that they brought was just an act of faith of the Savior who would come and take away their sins. So they were saved by the same means we are, by grace through faith in the Lord. And look at this again is an Old Testament passage before Christ came and died on the cross. It says there, see, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And think about the Lord's hands. Nails were driven through his hands. We know after his resurrection in his glorified body, those scars are there. Remember doubting Thomas? You know, that was something that was bad. The other disciples had seen the risen Lord. Thomas hadn't seen him. And you know, Thomas is just in a bad place. And he says, unless, you know, I can put my fingers in where that, those nails went through and the spear went through, I won't believe. And boy, what a beautiful picture how God works all things for good for those that love and are called according to his purposes. Because even Thomas in that place, he wasn't saying, I don't love the Lord. He wasn't even saying, I don't believe in the Lord. But again, this was a thing that just happened. And he said, I got to see. And we know the Lord appeared to him and he said, come put your hands here in, in my scars and fill it. And then Thomas proclaimed my Lord and my God. And so we know even in all eternity, those scars are gonna be there. And when it talks about being inscribed in the palms of his hands, that's speaking of how he died for our sins and absolutely those scars there, they they, they represent the whole of, 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 of you know what? Of humanity that have called on him and hear this it represents you you're inscribed in his in his palms he died for your sins he laid down his life for you you could say the lord was body pierced for me absolutely as as an internal scar even in his glorified body that he saved us and here's the thing. This is what I want to emphasize here. We're inscribed in his palms. We are the saved, but we're not the Savior. He's the Savior. We're inscribed in the Savior's palms. And when it comes to these 12 foundations, again, this isn't saying that these apostles are the foundation or the church or God would raise up a line of men whose... Uh, you know, it dictates and traditions would override scriptures, and there's so much of that in a world as men love tradition over the written word of God. But absolutely, we know that the Lord is the foundation they 're inscribed on it because they were of that first generation of believers who God used to go lay down that initial foundation, which isn't them but it's the lord jesus christ it's the word of god it was the holy spirit moving upon them to pen the scriptures and so forth they're inscribed on the foundation but again the foundation is the lord jesus christ notice with me matthew sixteen thirteen. it's the third or fourth verse down there under the verse 14 heading there in your notes it says there in verse thirteen, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and you know what, if 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 you go with us to Israel, the Lord willing, it's in the itinerary, we go to Caesarea Philippi, and it's interesting because it's way out of the way in the north. It's northeast of Galilee where the Lord was, and this was right as the Lord was going down to Jerusalem to fulfill Passover to die for our sins. And so you would think they would just go from Galilee and go straight down, but the Lord instead took them northeast and he took them to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And I believe there's a reason why because if you get the privilege to go there or if if you go there, you'll see how the Lord used the setting of Caesarea Philippi to to bring forth this truth that, again, he he is the rock. He is the foundation. Because it's very interesting in Caesarea Philippi, again, out of the way, off the beaten path. It's basically like a gigantic rock. There, you know, uh, just 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 kind of on the wayside over there. And then in the rock, and this was back then, and they're still preserved today. There are several temples that have been carved into this rock, where they would sacrifice to pagan deities. And then there is a spring that comes out that they gave a title of the gates of hell because of, again, where all of these sacrifices were made to these deities. And there's some more that goes along with it, and I don't wanna you know, keep describing it, but with that in mind, it says they came to that place, the Lord took them again up out of the way before they'd go to Jerusalem, and he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And you know what? some believe that that question was asked there because you know here's the the temple to to uh pan here's a temple to you know what baal all these different temples there and it's been suggested that perhaps jesus said here's all these temples but you know you're familiar with these false gods but who do men say that i am who do men say that the the son of man is So they answered, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, notice, but who do you say that I am? There's a lot of opinions out there, but who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that I am? The Lord makes it it personal. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's a declaration, you're Messiah. It's not only a declaration you're the son of God, it's a declaration you are God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then notice what he says. And I also say to you that you are Peter. It's the word Petros in the Greek where we get the word pebble. God hasn't built his church on a pebble. And there's a lot of tradition teachers out there that say the church is built on Peter the rock and this is where we get the pope who says his word is the final say even when it grossly contradicts scripture which it does most of the time. You are the pebble and on this rock which means Petra. And there's a massive rock right bef- right, right as Jesus is teaching this, there's this massive petra there and notice i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so in other words the church is built on the rock of jesus christ it's not built on men yes these men's names are inscribed on the rock because the lord used them to lay down the foundation and the foundation is jesus christ it's not men it's not the efforts of men. It's not the dictates of men or man. It is the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so their names are inscribed here as those initial men that God chose to absolutely, men that saw, that walked with the Lord, men that saw the resurrected Lord who laid down the foundation of the church. And again, the foundation isn't them. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Notice what uh, Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. And, and we looked at this last week. In fact, we'll look at look a little more of this in a minute here. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You're God's field. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder. He says, I have laid the foundation. But Paul's not the foundation. And another man builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds on it for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation is the Lord. And here's the thing, you either got to fall on that that foundation, on that rock and, and be broken, that the Lord would raise you up and make you born again. Or Jesus said, that rock's gonna fall upon you and grind you into powder. So absolutely, their names are inscribed on the foundation, but the foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. As we even read there in Hebrews eleven eight. again, he waited, talking about Abraham, he waited for the city which has foundations who builder and maker is God. So even in them laying it, it was God working through them. He is the foundation. And I'll tell you, there's no greater foundation. Is your life tonight being built on the Lord Jesus Christ? Again, we can think of that teaching that the Lord gave about storms in life. And uh, he says the wise man is the one that heard his word or hears the words of God and he keeps it. Again, he doesn't just hear it, but he's a doer of God's word. And the foolish man is the one that ignores God's word. And it says that storms come to all those houses. Again, it's not a thing, I come to Christ and then there's no trials. No, the trials are gonna come. In fact, you might get more trials and you're probably, if you're living for the Lord, gonna get more trials than if you're out there in the world. Like, well, that doesn't sound pleasant to people, but see, there's good news. God works through those trials to get to know him more. God works through those trials to get us out of Jesus' diapers and to get us walking around as men and women women who are mature, eating meat, really representing the Lord. So God uses it all for great, great good, and the Lord says that storms come on both of those houses, but the house built on the sand, the storms came, and it fell, and it was a great fall, but I'll tell you, the house built on the rock, the house built on Christ, the house built on the word of God, the words of Christ, the logos himself, it says the storms came and beat on that house, and guess what, that house stood, it stood through all the trials, through all the ups, and all the downs, Man, if you've gotten away from building your life on the rock of Christ, the principles of Scripture, get off the sand tonight. Maybe you're like, well, I'm Christ, I'm on the rock, but I got a little side gig going over here on the sand. You need to abandon that and get it all up on the rock. Get it all before the Lord. Don't withhold what absolutely should be built there on the rock. Verse 15, and it says, and he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall, the city laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are all equal. And he measures its wall 140 cubits according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. I just want to kind of try to break down these measurements. Um, has any, does anyone use furlongs to measure? No one in the room. No, one you a renaissance fairs so and no, oh, that's a furlong, you know, none of that. So a furlong is 600 feet. So 12,000 ancient furlongs is 12,000 times 600 feet. And again, we know this is equal with its height, its width, and its breadth. It seems to describe a cube here. And so how long is that in terms we would understand it's again, it's height, it's, it's measurements in both directions if it were a cube it's 1500 miles by 1500 miles by 1500 miles basically this would sit in between the canadian border and the gulf of mexico and between colorado and the atlantic ocean hopefully you're a little familiar with geography you know that some of these next generations oh my goodness everyone's all see a youtube i saw one the other day and it was like can you name three countries well, no, yeah, I like, California, <laughs> New York, and the guy's like, right, yeah, that's right, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen those, it's, uh, pray for our children, so if you're not familiar, like, maybe you're sh- sinking in your seat right now, like, I don't want to shame anybody, go get a map for goodness sake, and start looking at all these, you know, nations and saints, That God, God put all that in place for a reason and so forth, so so, so it's balanced, and they say if you break this down, if you put twenty billion people in this city, twenty billion people in that city, every person in that city would have um would would have a square mile or seventy five square i said it says anchors in your notes that's a that's a typo it, acres so seventy five square acre acres <laughs> or a square mile per person if 20 billion people are there boy, if there's 20 billion people there that's gonna be glorious we know from every tribe tongue nation and peoples will be represented there it'll be glorious but 20 billion people would be a square mile per person you think you could think that you could do a lot with a square mile right Again, they break, a lot of people have broken these, these numbers down. The moon's diameter is, uh, they, they, they say, you know, at 2,160 miles, the New Jerusalem's diameter, uh, diameter is 2,600 miles. So if you were to go all the way around it. And some have suggested that perhaps it will almost be like a planet that's right over that, because it talks about men going up and down in and out of that city I, I i don't know but i'll tell you what even this description gives me a whole lot of insights you know what uh, to rejoice him um the wall around it it says 144 cubits that's most likely you know at, at the minimum 216 feet high and why does it have a wall around it i i it, it probably to represent peace and security that's gonna be there forever. There might be other suggestions, but there's gonna be a wall in heaven. (laughs) They're gonna build a wall up there, so. (laughs) I know it was, uh, there was someone they moved, we've had so many people move away like to all these other states and so forth. And I can't remember who it was, they moved to one of those states back there in the South. And they're like, uh, "This is weird. No one has fences out here." And uh, they're like, "Were well, you going to put one up?" They're like, "Heck yeah, I'm putting that thing up. It's the first thing I'm doing." Like, it's funny. We know all about those in California. There's going to be a wall up around Heaven, 216 feet high. And again, you look at the grandeur of this, and 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 Carl may look at this and say, "Well, that sounds impossible. How this is going to be?" They look like, at God created the Earth. <laughs> In six days, he spoke and brought it forth. Could have done it in six seconds, six milliseconds if he wanted to. But he gave his lessons in creation about resting on the seventh day, which again is a shadow of resting in Jesus Christ, who is our Sabbath. God's the one that's giving you the breath in your lungs right now. He again conquered death through his resurrection. He's gonna return in the sky. Nothing's impossible with him. John is getting a first-hand glimpse into this and writing it down for us so that our hearts would burst forth with, "Hey, this is my hope." I'm, I'm, this is like the, the short waiting room for all of eternity. So even in this little waiting room, I want to be about the Lord's business. I want to remind people in that waiting room, hey, in a minute, that door is going to open up for the rest of our life, if you compare it on earth, but it's going to open up for all of eternity. Are you going through this door, which is Jesus, into glory in heaven? Or are you doing everything? Are you trying to push away everything God's putting before you? Because really, to go to hell, you've got to go over a lot of obstacles, you got to climb over things. You have to push things to a side. You got to harden your heart over and over. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Again, it says the measure of a man that is an angel. That's an interesting scripture there. The measure of a man that is an angel. So it's even comparing angels to men and angels aren't men, but we do see a lot of angels on earth that take on the form of men in different times of ministry and so forth. I thought about Hebrews, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but Hebrews 13 too, do not forget to entertain strangers for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I remember, I think it was in the 70s, I was just a, just a kid, but uh, I mean, everyone had rapture fever. Uh, I think it's when the late great planet Earth came out, or is that, that the one by Hal Lindsey? And um, a thief in the night was out, and... I remember I had a little Christian comics that talked about the rapture and there were all these accounts, God knows whether they're true or not, but it seemed like a lot of people were talking, people hitchhiked back then, I wouldn't recommend that nowadays, you might be someone's dinner later on, but people hitchhiked, <laughs> it's a crazy world out there, people hitchhiked and there would be all these accounts of how Oh, I pulled over and picked up this hitchhiker. Maybe some of you guys remember this. And he got in the back and he just started talking to me about Jesus and how I need to repent and the love of the Lord. And then I, you know, I kept, and I all of a sudden didn't hear him or I looked back and they were gone. Anyone remember those stories? And yeah, maybe I was entertaining an angel. I don't know. I just thought of that tonight. (laughs) There are times when, again, entertain strangers. They're strangers. You see strangers every day, don't you? So I think it's an encouragement to be hospitable and represent the Lord everywhere. So again, notice 18. I'm not gonna read through all this again. The construction of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. And then it talks about all these precious stones. And again, there, there there's even a lot of speculation with these stones. There, there's some of them that were more familiar than others. There, there, there's others that, you know, it have different names and people think, well, we think this is this, you know, God's knowledge so so, so surpasses man who thinks he knows everything. But you know, the thing I thought about with this is we read about gold here. We read about these precious stones and think back with me. We read the beginning of it tonight and we read through it all. I think it was last Wednesday, again, first Corinthians three, nine, where it talks about building your life on the rock of Christ. And then verse 12 says, if anyone builds on this foundation, Jesus, with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone has work which is built endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as yet so as through the fire. And here's the thing, Again, and we talked a lot about this is all gonna burn. So, you know, well, how do I take anything with me? You use it for the glory of God. And it says it will endure that fire that comes. But here's the thing in glory. I'm gonna have the Lord there. I don't wanna carry around a bunch of gold and precious stones. And we do know the elders lay their crowns at the feet of the Lord and worship them. But again, gold, silver, and precious stones. And what's this city made out of gold and precious stones? And some have suggested that perhaps even those rewards that only come through the strength of God and by the grace of God and so forth, maybe somehow just like the apostles' names are inscribed in the foundation there, maybe even in part our good works done through the Holy Spirit working in us because it's to God's glory. Maybe somehow those are incorporated into all of this. Either way, I think it's an encouragement for us to be about the business of God. And, and maybe I just get up there and, and, and you know what, live for God and, and I've used my one little talent and it's become two and I show up and God says, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a wheelbarrow full of gold. Go dump it there into the street. Wouldn't that be awesome? Or you know what, you got, you got five gems and I'm gonna give you five you can pronounce. And we're gonna take them and they're gonna be part of the adornment of the new Jerusalem. Because they're not just gonna go away. And I don't think we're gonna, maybe it's a crown again. We put it, we, we do read about crowns and then putting it at the the, uh, the elder's feet. But again, we also read about here gold, silver, and precious stones. And then we read about heaven, the new Jerusalem. We read about gold and precious stones. I don't wanna I don't know if I, I don't think I wanna carry that around. If it's on a crown and you know, I'm gonna have a strong neck, hopefully I'll have a crown. Maybe it's just a little little one on the side, whatever. But I think our hands need to be free to worship God, to love each other, to be used for the glory of God. So just just some thoughts out there with this. You know, one thing we do know, though, you put all this together, these stones are glorious colors. And we'll see in a second here that this city is gonna be lit by God himself. And the the beauty of this, it's gonna blow away, again, anything here on earth. This is a fallen world. And it seems really clear this is going to be a glorious prism that will probably radiate into as far as everything that exists out to, you know, at infinity. Just this glorious prism of the glory of God Almighty. Verse 21, now the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And look, there's other places in the Bible where it talks about pearls. I think about Jesus in Matthew 13, again, telling us what heaven's like. And he says there, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And I think there's two ways of looking at this parable. And I do believe they both relate to these pearly gates because this really goes back to Jesus laying down his life for us. And again, salvation is a free gift, but it's the only free gift that you obtain by laying down your life. He said, if you wanna follow me, again, take up your cross and follow me. He wants to save his life will lose it. He who lays it down for my sake We'll gain it. That's Jesus's theology. So if you're, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. Well, you're uncomfortable with the theology of Jesus then. And by the way, again, he said, you gain life. You gain life. And there's an abundant life even more so that's gained the more, again, that we just say, I want it to be about the Lord. And so again, we see these pearls in heaven and Jesus told us this, again, uh, truth about a pearl And I think the first application is Jesus. He found one pearl of great price, sold all that he had to buy it. Look at, I'm not purchased by me, I'm purchased by the shed blood of the lamb. (laughs) Not by silver and gold, as the first Peter one talks about, but with the precious blood of the lamb and it just, I think it's a great picture of how much God loves us. That he would come here and he sold it all, he laid it all down, to save you, to make that way of salvation for you and for me. Notice 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Talking about those eternal or spiritual riches. And again, these eternal riches. Again, he sold it all to save you. Don't question God's love for you. And again, I believe it's a picture as well. Our salvation is free. But to receive salvation means, look it, I'm, I'm laying down all these things that I call Lord to say, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Lord. I'm ready to be crucified on that cross to be brought anew and born again in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, your flesh just don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You're gonna miss out, you're gonna lose. You're not gonna have an abundance of life. But the Holy Spirit says, do it. You are gonna get life. You're gonna get abundant life. You are gonna have, again, the working of God in your life and to know that your life is not aimless, vain conduct and you have a glorious future hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the street of the city was pure gold. How glorious is that? Again, no taxes to maintain those roads, (laughs) And then transparent is glass. It's glorious. We're gonna have nothing to hide. Nothing to hide at all. Adam sinned in that garden. What's the first thing he did? He went and hid himself. I gotta cover my sin. I I gotta cover my deed. Look at in glory, nothing to hide. We 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 all text messages and emails and all of it. Out in the open, nothing to hide. It's all to the glory of God. No more sin, nature. That sounds wonderful. Because maybe you've arrived to the place where you're like, I am as transparent as glass. I think the rest of us were a work in progress. And there's times we get a thought and we're like, I don't want anyone to know what I'm thinking right now. Some of you might have had some of those thoughts tonight. And again, it's only the shed blood of the Lord that washes all that and covers all that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to go on a rant right now, but this whole council culture, we're going to focus in on this guy's sins and this guy's emails and a couple of those text messages and here we come, here we come, the, the righteous ones. Okay, bro, now we're going to expose you and see how that works out. No, we, we need to be covered by the shed blood of the lamb and no, we we're washed, we're being washed and we will be washed forever. Nothing to be ashamed of no more of this let's get some fig leaves and hide or i think a king saul they're going to anoint him as king where is he he's hiding with the tools he's out in the tool shed what's up with this guy again sin's shameful is it not don't ever get to the place where again you're unashamed to sin that's where our country is and that's when judgment comes but praise god jesus he bore our sin and hear this he has bore our shame Verse 22, but I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are its temple. He's the temple. All worship given to him, all worship brought before him. Let's do that today. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is its light. And did not Jesus declare, I'm the light of the world? We read there in 1 John 1, 5, God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. We'll go back to Genesis 1, 1, again, verse three. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Isaiah talks about this as well. Talks about what John's seeing right here. Isaiah sixty nineteen, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning, isn't this beautiful, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Anyone mourning here tonight? I know there's some that are. Maybe you're not tonight, but who knows what tomorrow holds? We've all mourned before. We've wept, whether it was either tears or wept in our heart, but it's all gonna come to an end. Won't that be glorious? The light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's walk in the light now. Lord, help us to walk in the light as you're in the light. Verse 24, And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Now again, what's going on here? We, we, We know that, Again, the Lord's making mansions for us. And so we see the kings of the earth bringing their glory and honor into it. All glory to God. It ain't gonna be like today where men want glory for themselves. All glory to God. And so who are these nations? This has been suggested. Well, perhaps us. Some say, well, maybe it's those millennial saints. Others have suggested we know that God's a God who's a creator, Some has suggested, again, God created Adam with the intention he would never die. Adam chose to eat of that tree, died, and Christ came. And again, we have these dispensations that are gonna get wrapped up because it's not gonna continue like this forever. So maybe perhaps, again, those that are on earth in that millennial reign, maybe they enter in and in bodies like this repopulate everything, or I don't know. But I do know there's going to be nations. (laughs) They're going to walk in the light of the Lord and the kings of the earth are going to bring their glory and honor. It's going to be, uh, uh, the the bottom line, God's going to sort all that. It's all going to be about giving glory and honor to God. I'll tell you, there's great unity and peace and joy in that. You want unity in a church? Let's get our eyes on Jesus and about being glorifying God, not using Jesus as a platform to glorify us. And again, They're gonna walk in that light. Well, I'm told in Revelation 1, 5 and 6 that I'm a king and a priest in Christ tonight. Let's walk in that light again tonight. Let's bring the glory to God tonight in our lives. Verse 25, its gate shall not be shut at all by day and there shall be no night there. So again, they're always open. By day, the gates are open and there's never a night. So no threat of night, no darkness. Again, it just shows that this new Jerusalem is always accessible. And, and, and maybe it's a thing where again our mansions are in there. We, we know we're going to dwell and then we go about and do business. I'm not sure. But I know we're not going to be restricted to a cube either. <laughs> That's real clear here. And you think about again the gates of that, and maybe tonight you're saying, Man, how do I get, how do I, how do I how do I get registered here? Well, Jesus said in John 10:7. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, all, all who came before me, are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. Twenty-six. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And again, this, this, the kings are going to bring their glory and the glory and the honor of the nations. It's, it's, it, it, this is how it should be today, that all glory to God. <laughs> if I do anything noteworthy, the glory to God. Because God gave me the breath. God gave me a mind. God gave me an ability to move. God, It's God's word. It's God's plan of salvation. You know, indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, Now, I I understand we have a human responsibility, and so we don't check out through that. And I know there's a will involved in that, but here's the thing, everything that comes forth, it's to the glory of God. The scripture says God shares his glory with no men. And so Lord, help us to abound in that now, giving glory to God, giving honor to God. You know, someone comes and says, man, you know, that really blessed me. You know you can receive that encouragement. Thank you, brother. You know what? Glory to God. Yeah. Glory to God. To God be the glory. And then twenty-seven. But there shall be there shall by no means enter in it enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So no sin, no rebellion no wickedness, death, Hades, Satan, the beast, these that have rejected Christ, whose names aren't in the book of life. We know where they are. We read it earlier in the book. They're in a place called a lake of fire, tormented night and day. This place will be undefiled. This world's defiled. I just gotta look around and see that it's defiled. If you can't see that today, I you know what? you need to take off those those glasses that are just you know I think they say rose colored glasses or whatever color they are and have your eyes open. I mean be honest with yourself before God. We're wretches. Like all this stuff out in the world and our own lives. Especially before we came to Christ, in Christ we're a we're a we're a work in progress, positionally right with God, practically The Lord's still working. I mean, the Apostle Paul. If you're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't identify. The Apostle Paul, whose name is inscribed on one of those foundations, said, "Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? I'm defiled." And again, what's the answer? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. (laughs) Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ again is your name written in the lamb's book of life tonight can you say amen to that man rejoice rejoice in the lord and if it's not written there tonight call upon the lord listen today's the day of salvation we don't know what tomorrow holds but if you're here tonight you don't know him it's not by a chance that you're here heck you might have came here with evil purposes tonight i don't know People do that all the time. I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go home and do a curse or something. Dude, you've heard the gospel. You've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe someone dragged you here tonight kicking. Maybe you came in here and go, let's go see if they got any chicks over there or any dudes over there, you know? I heard they're serving chicken. I'm going to go get some chicken. You've heard the gospel. You've heard the gospel. The Lord loves you. died for your sins, rose from the grave. He is the only hope. Humble your heart and call upon the Lord. Heavenly Father, we bless and praise you. Lord, we have a glorious future, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we have a glorious presence presence because you're with us. Lord, let us be found of people walking in the light now, giving glory to God now, about your business now. I hope and pray that tonight, God, our faith's grown that our hopes abound all the more. I hope and pray we've gotten a greater understanding of your great love for us. You selling all to make that way to save us. Oh Lord, oh Lord, your love is so grand and vast. Help us God, help us tonight Lord. And again, you know every heart here tonight Lord. If there's any who haven't called on you Lord, I would hope and pray at the minimum they would consider your gospel. I would pray, God, you would stay off the hand of the devil that wants to come in and snatch these seeds away, these seeds of the gospel that have been planted. And I would hope that even now they'd call on you. Call upon the Lord tonight. Ask him to forgive you, to be your Lord and Savior. Do it right now. He'll meet you where you're at we thank you and praise you god thank you for an awesome night continue to bless it bless our fellowship and our children as they're 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 released from their classes and just uh you know what this whole night we thank you and praise you and pray these things in jesus name and we said together amen Amen. god bless you